This is Kevin Conroy, and you're listening to The Drift Space. And welcome to another thrilling episode of Maximum Drift. I am, in fact, your host, JR. And with me is... Rebecca. Hello. Maximize. (laughs) And if you haven't (laughs) guessed, we are going to continue our discussion on Transformers Beast Wars. The reason I'm jumping in instead of G is because... My ears were burning from last episode. I sensed out there in the netherverse that GJ and Rebecca were talking about me, so... Yeah, we were. In fact, I kind of wish you were there because we were discussing the two Cheetor-centric episodes side-by-side, and we know how much you love Cheetor. That's actually funny because I went to uh, Walmart today and I found a Cheetor. If, If anybody doesn't know... They've recommissioned the old toys. And I know. Yeah, I found. <laughs> I saw that. I found a, a old school Cheetor, and I was like, "Dude, I got, I got to buy this. I have to." I, I'm. It just. I. I was at Walmart recently, and I just. I saw. I was looking for a toy for my little cousin for Christmas, and, and I saw Optimus Primal and Megatron, and I'm. It just. Oh man, I just nearly welled up. Yeah. It was it was like so. <laughs> the the only other one I've seen is Rat Trap. Yes, but I, yeah, I I've I, seen Rat I Trap really, and Cheetor. I really hope they start uh, shelling out all of them because I would love uh, the Transmetals. I absolutely yeah. adore Transmetal. I need another Transmetal to Black Arachnia. <laughs> yeah, the only other Black Arachnia <laughs> I've seen right now is uh, from Fallen Kingdom. And yes, Ugh. yes, I will admit everybody was right. Fallen Kingdom sucked hard. I just got swept up in Beast Wars. Yeah, it went in doubt. Go back to the original. But let me let me go ahead and answer a question for you because I I, I know a lot of people really are enthralled by this. But yeah, you're right. Uh, there was a reposted reboot character in um, Beast Wars. Uh, they oh yeah. yeah they reused there was an episode of beast war or not beast wars a reboot where they had kind of a a power rangers-esque episode and basically they reused their robot from that episode and put it in beast wars uh they just put uh megatron's head on it instead I, okay i need to find that well, episode if you know <laughs> it's, it's actually in the intro um like where, oh, really? where he's sitting there looking at his untransformed body in the viewing globe, where he's sitting there looking oh. at the like hollow globe, and he sees. Oh yeah, yeah, his 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 Cybertronian form. Yeah, that's actually okay. the uh, Power Rangers esque reboot, just with uh, <laughs> Megatron's head stuck on it. That's hilarious. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was I was gonna ask I was gonna ask you something, Jr. Uh, GJ and I have uh, described what beast wars was like to us growing up and so i want to ask you before we roll out uh could you tell me your 
first experience with Beast Wars and what it means to you? Yeah, well, I think uh, I think I've already started off this conversation by saying I was actually a child of Reboot, the show that came okay. before Beast Wars. Uh, I followed that religiously, and then when Beast Wars came around, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." I didn't follow it too much, but I liked the concept of it. Okay. You know, I, I've always found Transformers interesting in some things, but I think the the thing that drew me to this episode, this franchise, uh, in particular Beast Wars, was that spoiler alert if you haven't gotten this far, but it's still season one. We learned that uh, these Maximals are descendants of like Transformers that we know of. Like, um, yeah, yeah, they they already know about that. But yeah, we're, like, we're still, uh, <laughs> what is it? Um, Rat Traps Aunt is our great aunt RC, and then great aunt RC. <laughs> uh, Cheetor is a descendant of Bumblebee and all that. I think that's awesome. I really like that. Is Cheetor a descendant? direct descendant of Bumblebee or is he just like a copy? Like, I don't know, like a Bumblebee-esque. I, I don't know where I read that. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty, pretty positive that he's a descendant of Bumblebee. I mean, I like to think that Primal is a d- direct descendant from Prime, but I mean, eh, I don't know if that one's established. I mean, you're, you're the transformer nut. You would know. Yeah. It's ne- it was net. I don't think it was ever established. He was just, there he just happens his name was just happened to be optimus yeah i mean it's it's kind of like you know the megatron thing he took megatron's name but he's not a descendant of megatron yeah he's not directly descended in fact he's even he's a lot more sadistic and more sinister than g1 megatron which which i love i was like when i was going back rewatching these episodes i had to finish all of megatron's sentences with yes And I'm going to get to that in this episode of how he's different from G1 Megatron. And GJ already talked about how Optimus was different from G1 Optimus. And, uh, I, and I, I loved it. I, I loved his, um, his input and it's, it's, it's perfect. Almost. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> he'll never. <laughs> well, uh, he'll never, let's, let's. He'll never let that go. <laughs> let's catch our listeners up. Today we are going to be talking about the next five episodes of Beast Wars, starting with Power Surge. Rebecca, do you want to take that one? I would be delighted. Power Surge, episode six, season one. The synopsis says: Pterosaur discovers a. Souse, it's supposed to be source, not souse, of Energon, and controls the Predacons. I mean, that's... There you go. Uh, okay, apparently <laughs> apparently, you and I have different um, uh, book notes, because my, mine is much, much longer. <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, the 2B synopsis. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, see, I, yeah. Was, I was looking at my actual discs. Yeah, the uh, oh. the, the descriptions on the discs are much longer. <laughs> well, what well, what is your what does it say on the on the disc? I'm curious. Uh, Terrasaur uh, discovers a floating mountain filled with a huge supply of unstable energon. Returning to the dark side, Terrasaur challenges Megatron for leadership and soundly defeats the mighty t- dinosaur. But this new power source comes with a price. 
and Pterosaur finds he must recharge often to maintain his newfound power. When the Maximals learn of this strange energon fountain, Optimus and Rattrap head out to the mountain in order to neutralize it. See, that that should have been well, that probably would have spoiled a lot on Tubi, but you know but yeah. That's a that's a beautiful, authentic description of the of the episode. In fact, I'm gonna let you start uh Oh, thank you for volunteering me. <laughs> thank you for thank you for pulling rank on me again, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm not pulling rank. I swear. I'm gonna start calling you fearless leader. Uh, well, thank you, fearless leader. <laughs> Shut up, Rat Trap. <laughs> yes, sir! <laughs> okay, Power Surge. Alright, so... The first ten minutes of this episode, it felt like an homage to the ever-loving, hateful relationship between G1 Megatron and Starscream, but this time it's Beast Wars Megatron and Pterosaur. And this goes back to my observation from the last time I recorded with GJ how each Predacon has their own selfish desires. I mean, we finally see Pterosaur's treachery against Megatron. We we see more of Tarantulus's sickly side. We also notice that he cares little about Megatron and pretends to follow his orders. I mean, have you noticed that when Megatron is being beamed by Pterosaur, you, you can hear Tarantulus kind of giggling in the background? I mean, that, that was just... Uh, yeah, what, what a jerk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I mirror exactly what you said. This is there's not much to this episode, but the things I do like are that we we get more character uh, detail. We find out, you know, Pterosaur is more of a Starscream figure, and that he's always right. going to be challenging Megatron for leadership. You know, we continue to see Tarantulas just be creepy. Exactly. The thing is, uh, I think Pterosaur is a lot more incompetent than Starscream. Uh, I mean, Starscream, Starscream tried to have a plan. Like he tried to, he tries to think it over, think it through, and everything. But Pterosaur just kind of plays it by ear, unfortunately, and that's the uh, and and he and he ends up always failing. But now I've always liked how. Scorponok was always loyal to Megatron, even to the point of death. I mean, he's no Soundwave. No. But I I liked even though he witnessed Megatron nearly dying from Pterosaur, he still had the courage or fear of Pterosaur to bring Megatron back. And then there's Waspinair basically going, what now? Now what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I liked about this episode, where they're like, well, you're in charge. Well, you're in charge. Well... What do we do now? Let's get the boss man back. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. Tarantulas cares nothing about being leader. Just he- he's up to something. Right. We- we're we're gonna we're gonna find out what that is. Yeah. So. Now, so looking at this episode in- entirely, it would seem that the Maximals aren't the only ones that lack discipline and order. I mean. Every character has their flaws and strengths, and it shows immensely shows in the sh- in the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Now on to the main course of this episode. It does beg more of the question on what planet the Maximals and Predacons are on. Now let's bear in mind here, folks, uh, they're from the planet Cybertron, where anything electronic can supposedly transform, even cities. And yet somehow a mountain floating above ground is not normal, even for their standards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Must sure. be some kind of hover technology. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So to see that with their own eyes, by the colossal power of pure raw energon that could help refuel and even kill them, must have been quite the awe-inspiring moment for them, and maybe at the same time, terrifying. I mean, for us, that would be like seeing the San Andreas fault cracking or Yellowstone erupting before we get wiped out. But, (laughs) I mean, it's like something almost godlike to them, in a way. And and Pterosaur, being the idiot as he is, uh, plays with it for his own selfish reasons and ends up paying for it and for optimus and rat trap uh, to basically go into the eye of the storm is was not only risky but just yeah it was just downright terrifying and of course i i loved how uh rat trap mentions it's a long way down and optimus smiles and says sure is <laughs> he just yep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there's something I really like about these uh, earlier episodes, and I'll point it out again later. It's the the fact that, you know, I'm sure you guys have both said this, these are not warriors. They're not seasoned veterans when it comes to fighting. They know nothing about anything. So they're just trying to exactly. improvise and, you know, come up with something that'll work off the top of their head. And on top of that, you know, they don't know each other. They were just out to explore and strange new life forms and seek out new civilizations. <laughs> oh, sorry. Through this process, they, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they learn about who each other are and they learn their faults and their strengths and stuff like that. And I love the fact that Optimus and Rat Trap are kind of your go-to characters. They kind of seem to... They butt heads a lot, but they seem to understand and almost kind of... I don't want to say respect, but they kind of do respect each other. Yeah, they... For different reasons. They end up... Yeah, they end up respecting each other. Yeah, for different... And I just love Pterosaur being an idiot in this episode. (laughs) Too much of a good thing. I mean, he is Starscream, let's be honest. He just doesn't know what he's doing half the time. He's just like... Overthrow Megatron. I'm going to rule from here on out. And then he has no idea what to do after that. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's, that's pretty much how Starscream is or was. Or has been. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay, so uh, the next episode here is Fallen Comrades. And this is actually a really cool episode, not for... Not for the reason I am going to say in the synopsis, but I'll get into it later. Uh, one of the orbiting status pods jettisoned from, from the premiere episode falls onto the planet's surface. It's if Megatron's forces reach it first, they will reprogram the maximal protoform within it as a Predacon. Optimus Primal rockets to the snowy 
northern region where the pod was crashed, but is attacked and damaged by Pterosaur and Waspinator. With Primal injured, Megatron divides his team. Uh, one group will stop a maximal search party from finding the pod and, the, and secure it for the Predacons, while the other will launch an assault on the Axelon. You know, a lot of people say this is a good episode because it's a race against a clock and how how well the uh, team is divided and how they work together. Yeah. But I actually really like this episode because of Dinobot. Yeah, um, I think so too. You know, Dinobot is is he's still kind of a mystery we don't know he he seems to just want to blow everything up and he just doesn't want to listen to anybody but i think we start to see you know where his allegiance lies in this episode where he he wants to protect optimus he wants to make sure the the coast is clear before optimus you know just flies off the hinge and goes willy-nilly to go search. He's taking a strategic uh, strategy and he really wants to, you know, help the team. He even goes so far as to, like, consider his options before he wakes Optimus Prime's core systems up and has a discussion with them. And I think that is the coolest thing about this episode. Now you may have a different take on it, but that's why I really like this episode. I honestly, uh, no, no, you, you're, you're pretty much dead on. Uh, I didn't really write that much notes on it because I, it's just, I don't know whether I was, I was tired or I couldn't think straight, but anyway, I, I do agree completely. 100%, 101%, uh, with what you're saying how Dinobot is beginning to show his true allegiance to the Maximals. And especially when he tells Megatron to eat slag and <laughs> shoots him. That was, I also, I also want to point out, this is, um, I started a kill count. Well, not kill count. But times Optimus shot is shot out of the sky. Yeah, GJ is doing that too. Uh, yeah, if I <laughs> so far he's shot out of the sky twice in this episode, twice, twice. Yes. Oh yeah, because he they shoot him first and he's he's in he's mid air. Shoot him again. And then yeah. Whereas <laughs> this is another thing I want to bring up. Whereas the previous episode where Pterosaur is super overpowered and shooting Optimus shooting at Optimus doesn't hit him at all. Not once. But he aims at rocks and somehow that hits Optimus. I didn't count that as a shot out of the sky, <laughs> but I should have. I mean, I think I would count it. I mean, he gets hit. He he, he crashes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was about to go Yeah, if if GJ was recording with me on this one, I would probably ask him, uh, what number is this? Uh, six or seven? Well, <laughs> I will, since you said you would count that one, I'm adding it to the count. <laughs> I, I never noticed how much Optimus every, gets shot in this It season. seems like every episode he gets shot out of the sky. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
and I, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I read like a, a prequel little mini comic, uh, before Beast Wars, and it turns out that Optimus's Cybertronian form is a jet. And no. I refuse yes. to believe that. No. He's, he's a jet. He is a jet. No. I refuse <laughs> to believe that. He can't fly worth a monkey slack. And I, <laughs> I refuse he, to believe that Optimus Primal's transform uh, tr- uh, Cybertronian form is a jet. I absolutely refuse to believe that. Look at look it up. No. He, He's a jet. I swear he's, he's a he's jet. He's got to be one of those... If he's a plane of any type, he's got to be one of those, like, two-seater propeller jets that, like... He's Southeast Airlines. No, he's got to be... He's got to be a remote control plane at this point. I... I no. <laughs> he's one of those... He's one of those commercial airline jets. Just... That, uh, you just... mean like a 747 that's easy yes. to blow out of the sky? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's oh absurd. <laughs> By season three, he probably is a 747. Let's be honest. Well, 743, he's, he, he has fists in the air while he's flying. In his jet form. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like day. Sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. No, uh, he's, he's probably just so bulky at that point. It's like little rockets don't even face him, so he can't get blown out of the sky. I'm sure he somehow they find a way to blow Optimus out of the sky, even through season three. I mean, I'm sure we'll find something. Uh, <laughs> don't watch, worry. Watch the, we'll, we'll... the Optimus blown out of the sky count will be in the triple digits. <laughs> We're at number 100. <laughs> well done, Optimus. I, I almost want to start, Speaking... like, you know, the, the Team Four Star Krillin count? Yes. I it's almost, like, ding. Yeah, I want to, I, I expect a bell every time. So we've we've covered fallen comrades about as much as Optimus gets shot out of the sky. Let's move on. <laughs> Alrighty. Double Jeopardy. Episode 8. Rat Trap is suspected of being a traitor and is sent on a mission to prove his loyalty. Okay. I I know I should t- talk more about Rat Trap, but I think we pretty much figured out uh time and time again that Rat Trap has proven himself again and again to be trustworthy. But I want to talk about uh Black Arachnia's introduction to the show and 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 the the whole Predacon side of the show. So so yeah, this is Black Arachnia's introduction to the show in this episode, and we are shown that she's not to be taken advantage with. Right off the bat, she shows her true colors as being clever, cunning, and just downright boss. Not bossy, boss. After she utters after she utters her first words, Black Arachnia terrorize. That was terrible. I'm sorry. That was uh, that, that that hurt my ears. <laughs> I'm sorry. Megatron wonders why Tarantulas picked a similar beast form to his own, and and this just gives more evidence that Tarantulas is working on his own agenda, as usual. And it also occurred to me that Megatron has more enemies surrounding him than allies. Yes, there, there are the Maximals, but there are, 
There are also several of his own Predacon comrades who resent him and even despise him, but somehow that doesn't seem to bother him. In fact, I think he uses that to his advantage. That's The example is him allowing Pterosaur to take over as leader just to prove that he's more incompetent than a sack of fertilizer. This definitely compares and contrasts uh, Beast Wars Megatron with G1 Megatron. While Generation 1 Megatron would have gotten angry and beat the crap out of any of his subordinates for any type of treacherousness, Beast Wars Megatron quietly steps aside and observes, even relishes, as Pterosaur slowly, slowly falls into a downward spiral of one mistake after another, eventually allowing the Predacons to choose for themselves to, and realize that Megatron is their true leader once again. It's a, it's a rather brilliant strategy on Megatron's part, but it's also rather sickening, and this just shows more of his sadistic and sociopathic nature, not just towards Pterosaur, but to all of his Predacon subordinates. It's just... He's just one cruel MF, and... <laughs> well, like you said, he. I think he even calls it out himself on this episode. He said, a wise tyrant knows when to step aside and let a fool lead. And I'm paraphrasing. Exactly. And I'm paraphrasing there, because... I mean, it shows that, hey, I may not have a plan, but I know I know that I'm a better choice than this. And it's just letting them prove that they're not a right choice. Most villains try to look at themselves as the good guy, as a hero, but it's going just going astray for them. But Megatron doesn't look at himself as a hero. He looks at himself as... Well, as a god, almost as a tyrant. As a as tyrant, a tyrant. He, he calls yeah. himself a tyrant throughout the series. Yes, and he enjoys that. He embraces that, and that's and he he doesn't care about morals or boundaries or or anything or anyone else other than himself and his ide and his and his ideals. And just he, as long as he's in power, as long as he's in charge and gets what he wants, uh, everything is practically fodder to him. He, he's just, well, he's he, just awful. He <laughs> even calls it out in the first episode. He, he says uh, that his plan, he, that, that they may have, I know that they did wrong, land on the wrong planet, but he's going to make his plan work to his advantage. He's, He's really only out for himself the entire season. He's not, he's not thinking as, of the Predacons as a team. And exactly. And I, exactly. I, I honestly don't think. I mean, let's be honest. Megatron is held back by the incompetence of the Predacons. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, I, I feel like if. If Megatron were left alone to do what he wanted, things would have gone much differently from the Maximals. Well, I mean, we've seen like a piece of his complete insanity in the very first episode, well, part two of episode uh, Beast Wars, where they're up in the mountain, they're fighting, and they're beast swarms, and he full of 
surrounded by Energon, and he transforms, saying, it's never over, for if I must die, I shall take you with me. It's, he's, I mean, that's, I, I don't know, I don't know who's worse, him or Frieza. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough call. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, my hats. Uh, my my hat. My hat goes under Frieza's ring. I, I have to say, yeah. I, if I had to choose gun to my head, I'd pick Frieza over this Beast Wars Megatron. Possibly, and that's mostly because well, Frieza's stupidly uber powerful, and well, not probably... only that, Frieza just killed his own men just for fun. True, and. I think Megatron would do the same. He well, Megatron also he doesn't kill his own men. He just humiliates them, tortures them every now and then. If you when we get on with uh, later episodes, you will see that, and it's in a way it's just downright sickening. But yeah, it's but he's he's definitely a villain you love to hate. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. I would I would pick this Megatron over. Uh, G1 Megatron any day and like I said I will eat my own words I was so disappointed in Fallen Kingdom when they turned our beloved sadistic Megatron into a jock who will just follow orders oh my god as soon as he opened his mouth I was like oh hell no we will not speak of that that doesn't exist it's like Dragon Ball Evolution. It's a myth. Well, Fake news. But <laughs> but we did an episode on it. <laughs> it's in our catalog. It, it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Whatever you say. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't exist. Whatever you say. Us later. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So the next episode is A Better Mousetrap. And this is way too long-winded, so I'm just going to say what it is. Uh, Dinobot and Rat Trap are goofing around and send their new security uh, sentinel into a rambunctious phase where it thinks everybody's an enemy. Rat Trap gets caught inside, and he has to fix it. Trust me, I saved you like three paragraphs. This is way (laughs) too long-winded. I mean, my synopsis, uh, the one in, on Tubi is pretty similar to yours. Uh, it just says, Rat Trap's prank causes a maximal ship to turn on its residence, and he must reboot the system. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, this is like, oh, Dinobot got mad for Rat Trap making this exact comment, and then he plunged his sword into the console. I'm like, this is too detailed. You don't need to know. Yeah, um, they're, yeah, they're they're giving away too much. <laughs> there's, I, I'll be honest. There's not a whole lot to this episode. It's, uh, it's basically just, hey, this is your crew. Uh, we're gonna get up up to semantics. Uh, you know, there's there's not anything life changing about this episode. It's fun. We get more rat trap, which I'm always happy about. But right, I mean. I have a few things. I'll I'll say something. Um, I'm not entirely. I'm kind of with GJ on this one. I'm not entirely sure how, that I like two character centric episodes side by side. But I think for this one and the Double Jeopardy one, they they did a pretty good job in separating Rat Trap's center to 
other Maximals and Predacons' point of view. And um, and un unlike uh, the two Cheetor episodes, uh, side by side, the Web and uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Eagle Measures. Uh, I, I think um, I think a, a better mousetrap shows that Rattrap's character is developing. I mean, I mean he he definitely proved himself a whole lot worthy in the last one, Double Jeopardy, and this one he he pulls through. In, in episode one, he wouldn't dare pull most of these stunts and. While he still has his humor and sarcasm, he's slowly turning more and more competent and super reliable. I mean, if you subtract the part where he causes the problem in the first place yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by instigating Dinobot, so well, all right. What were you gonna say? So, so well, going back to the last episode, I you know, I I like the last episode because you know it's we still don't really know the characters i mean we've had a few episodes but we alliances we said in how easily alliances can change in like three episodes where they're just like oh i'm gonna change my insignia i'm gonna change my activation code i like the last episode because you know everybody is still new to each other and rat trap does seem like one of those characters that you can just be like yeah you uh you're you you're questionable sometimes i don't follow and i like that ex avert expectations moment where it's like we're gonna tip the formula on its head and actually get something worthwhile out of it a better mousetrap just felt gimmicky to me to be honest it's it was like a it was like a uh, breath of fresh air I wouldn't say it was a I wouldn't say it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, I do love Rat Trap and I do love his comments and in particularly his insults. But <laughs> I it just didn't work. This one didn't work for me because Rat Trap he needs people to play off of to be funny for me. He needs he needs that quick wit he needs that, you know, that back and forth insult to insult. And when he does it to the ship, when there's nobody there to receive his insult, it kind of falls flat. I will say it works at the end of the episode where everybody thought he died. And he's just like, please, <laughs> oh, boo-hoo, poor rat trap, please go on. Tell me how great I am. I did enjoy that moment. But, I love how you just said you all make me. Sick. Yeah, <laughs> but I like I said, I I think Rat Trap just needs people to play off of, which makes Rat Trap Rat Trap, and that's why I love him. But as far as this, right. as far as this episode goes, there's no really. He's just like oh, quick wit, but nobody's here to respond to it. You know, like when he's. When Sentinel's firing at him, he's comparing it to doing stretches. He's like, one, two, three, turn. And it's like, <laughs> it's a little too gimmicky. Actually, it just occurred to me, uh, this is the first episode that Sentinel was officially installed into the Axelon. Yeah. Which, I just, so technically, they just introduced to a new character, Sentinel, the Axelon. And 
it definitely reminded me of that episode from Transformers Prime where the Nemesis turned on the Decepticons after it was being fed by Dark Energon. And now I know where they got the idea. <laughs> it, it goes to show you that even the Maximal and Predacon-based centers are not only centric, centric places, but they're characters in their, of their own as well. well. Like the Enterprise from Star Trek, Black Pearl from Pirates of the Caribbean, and of course, Gundams from any franchise. Well, like so. you said, they're, uh, they're from a planet where everything can transform. And I do believe in... You're going to have to help me out here. It was one of the Transformers games. It was either War or Fall of Cybertron, where Teletran actually did transform. Oh, you mean... Uh, the ship? Metroplex? What? Wait, are, are you talking about Omega Supreme? No, it was Teletran. Teletran, the ship that they were escaping in, did transform. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, and the, and the Netflix one. Oh, um, is it the Netflix because it was I, in the Netflix one, yeah. I distinctly remember in one of the video games, Teletran actually had a conversation with them. Well, yeah, Teletran is a is a sentient being. Yeah. He's, he is the Ark. Right, so... Yeah, you can't talk to Teletran. So, uh, you know, saying saying these ships are characters is actually true, you know? Yeah. They're not just set pieces. They're not just homes. They actually are characters that have conversations with these uh, robotic life forms. Exactly, yeah. Like I said, they are... They are characters. Right, right. The Axelon is a character. The Dark Side is a character. So Yeah. No, it's um It's it's just I I like and you probably can you go into this much more than I can, but I like the backstory of uh Transformers of how, you know, everything has the ability to become more. And I'm not just saying that because of character development. I'm saying that meets the eye. Yes. Um, I'm not just saying that because of character development. I'm talking literally. I mean, uh, let's talk about the Constructicons. I mean, they transfer, they go from, they go from um, individual wrecking crew gear to be able to transform into Devastator. Devastator. I mean, that's, I, I, and as much as I don't like the show, I liked that concept in Armada, where they had okay. where they had the uh, the minicons, and then minicons could transform into like weapons and stuff like that. I did enjoy that aspect, but yeah, let's let's not talk too much about Armada. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, you want to talk about blocks and pieces and set areas? I mean, there you go. G- <laughs> G and I were talking the other day, and we're like, <laughs> we were talking, and he go, do you remember the old Transformers Armada game? And he's like, oh my god, yes! <laughs> that game was awful! And I was like, I know! <laughs> I couldn't even get past the second level! I never played the Armada game. Oh, was it, a- it was terrible. Like, the only thing I remember is that the second level... You were dropped off in the Arctic, and you had to protect a oil rig from Starscream. But it took like fifteen minutes 
to find the oil rig just driving around in the snow. You're like, did I just come from that lair? Or I, I went left. I turned right for like 15 minutes and I didn't see anything. Am I driving around in circles? What's going on here? Was this PS2? Or yes, it was a PS2 computer? game and it was a oh nightmare. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh. All right, so let's let's finish this up with one of my favorite episodes from season one. Oh yes. And mine too. If if nobody has heard of this episode, for shame on you. And uh I'm actually gonna just, just read... stop listening. <laughs> I'm actually going to read my synopsis. Don't listen to us. If you... <laughs> just, just, Go for it. No, please, please listen to us. And we need the likes. We need the views. Please. Um, yeah, let me, <laughs> let me read my synopsis because I don't want your to be synopsis for such a beautiful episode. Yeah, it, you don't want it. I don't want it either. <laughs> but right. yes, I want to hear your synopsis. Uh, so, this is episode 10, Guerrilla Warfare. While examining local flora, Optimus Primal and Dinobot are attacked by Scorponok, who launches one of his cyber bees at Optimus. The bee attaches itself to Optimus, Scorponok flees, and the two Maximals return to the Axelon. Rhinox examines Optimus and explains that the bee has infected Optimus with a virus that turns its victim into uh, such a coward that that his leadership abilities will be compromised. But everyone is in for, a uh, in for shock when the Maximal Commander bursts out of the repair CR chamber filled with aggression, weapons, blaze, and ready for attack. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's so weird to see Optimus Primal, who's not quite a pacifist, but to the point where he looks looks for the simple, non-threatening solutions. He's a diplomat. He's a diplomat, yes. It's so weird to see him all gung-ho and just guns a-blazing and it's it's such a like weird episode just because we've got optimus who wants to just annihilate he just wants to rip the predacons apart and he doesn't care if anybody's on his side he just goes off guns a-blazing and dinobot freaking dinobot is the one who's like, there's got to be a, a more diplomatic solution. We should at least, you know, try to talk to the Predacons and say, hey guys, you might have screwed up a little bit with that cyber. <laughs> uh, hey guys, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's just weird to see that the roles exchanged where Dinobots the diplomat. He's like, we should be humane to the Decepticons for once. Exactly. And before I speak... I said Decepticons. I I meant Predacons. My bad. Oh, well, I mean, they have the con at the end. Same thing. They're the... 
They're all the same. Anyway, they all transform. They all look alike. Oh, we. They all look alike and transform. I don't think we can say that, Rebecca. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's not. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there I go again. They all transform. They all look alike. <laughs> I mean, they're all Cybertronians. They all look alike. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, before I go into this episode, I just want to point out that this episode does have a very special place in my heart because honestly, this was the very first Beast Wars episode that I was introduced to. And not only that, but this was probably one of the most violent episodes, at least for this season, especially for a kids' show. In fact, I don't think this show would air today due to many reasons and issues that would seem severely outdated. What do you mean? They all look alike. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) I mean, you see the main hero, the leader, going literal ape scrap on everything and everyone. Not only that, but you have Primal shooting up from the inside of the base in close quarters, thanks, Cheetor. Uh, he pins Tarantulas up against the wall using his own weapon, and Optimus rips the virus out from his chest, nearly killing himself and everything else. All of this probably would not fly in a children's show today, which is why I loved it so much as a kid when I first watched it. I love <laughs> they didn't pull any. Violence. I know, they didn't pull any... They didn't pull any punches back in the 90s, and I'm forever grateful for that. <laughs> I'm not a wuss. Yeah, no, <laughs> to I, a point. Yeah, you, brought up, you brought up something that I wanted to bring up in these these past few episodes that I didn't. Why is Cheetor such an idiot? <laughs> I, I love the character to death. But he makes some of the stupidest calls in season one. Hey, uh, Optimus is raging mad and about to blow everybody up to Kingdom Come. Let's let him out of the holding cell. It's it's okay. He'll be fine. He told told me it's under control, guys. It's okay. (laughs) It's it's just... And another thing that the synopsis uh, didn't mention earlier is that Dinobot and uh, Optimus are out exploring and uh, this this plant this uh, is trying to pollinate and it spread its seed by like chucking itself at Dinobot and it hits Dinobot in the like exact place that he can't reach and you know Optimus says he calls it out. He's like, "Look, you were you were threatening this thing, and it got you in the one place that you are vulnerable. You know th- that's we can learn from, you know, other life forms. We can learn from stuff that isn't all gung ho, that doesn't think you know, uh, the first option is to fight, and." <laughs> And and it, that's what's so cool about this episode is that Dinobot actually realizes that there is another way to solve this problem. 
other than just going guns blazing. You know, he actually tries to look for the diplomatic solution, even though uh, Megatron's just like, well, whoever comes this way is going to get blown to shreds anyway, which is far from the truth. (laughs) But Yeah, about that. (laughs) I don't know. You, you got one. You got one pinned to a wall. You got one shot through the through the wall, and he's just yeah. It's not gonna happen, Megatron. That was the most brutal. I, I like thing. to think that. I like to think that the seed that Dinobite was struck with at the beginning was a metaphor for Dinobite's growth, not only as a character but as a maximal as well. At the beginning of this episode, Dinobot was reluctant and pessimistic about learning uh, plant life on on a strange planet when there's a war going on. But after he watches Optimus go through a torturous detail, he not only feared Optimus, but he also feared for him as well. You get a reaction from everyone who is witnessing Primal's violent rampage. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's... It's terrifying to watch for both Maximals and Predacons. Like you said before, especially Dinobot, because he later suggested that they use Optimus as a weapon against Megatron. However, after witnessing Primal going AWOL, Dinobot, like you said, for the first time, swallows his pride and suggests diplomacy over force of action against the Predacons. And at the end of the episode, we see a... We see a much more mellowed Dinobot sitting at Primal's bedside while he recuperates from the virus. And there's a scene where Optimus looks looks at the flowers from his side and then watches Dinobot walk out of the room. Not only did he show an act of kindness towards Optimus, but I think the flowers indicated that Dinobot is finally accepting the Maximals and Optimus as his home. And he begins to bloom into the maximal hero he's meant to be. So I thought that was a metaphor there. That was absolutely beautiful, Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you on uh everything you just said because the like this is probably my favorite episode from season one. Uh I'm sure there's others, but when I think of If these- not season if not season one, then probably the whole series almost. Well, I mean, it's one of the top favorites. Whenever of mine, I think so. of Beast Wars, I think of Optimus Prime going AWOL and sticking Tarantulas to the wall with his own <laughs> dagger. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, God, that has to hurt. <laughs> to this day, I'm like, oh gosh, who? For kids! <laughs> it's for the, for the children. <laughs> we'll be right back on Fox Kids! <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, to be in the 90s. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I feel like I, I almost kind of want to bring GJ back into this conversation. <laughs> you're right. It seems like, it seems like we... we are missing somebody in this conversation. We we kind of are. I mean, <laughs> it's it's weird that you know uh, we grew up. Well, you and GJ grew up with this together, and then I grew up separately. But we seem to all have the same kind of love and admiration for the show, even to this day. 
when I started when I started watching it and G walked in my apartment the other day, he's like, ah. <laughs> There you go. He was, he was almost like, good, good. I, li- uh, Norris- I like you, pussycat. Yes. There you go. It's like, yes. <laughs> With his rubber ducky. Yes. <laughs> Petting it on the head, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Oh, my gosh. I think I think we've done a... Uh, a fairly good job talking about the next, the last five episodes. Um, and I'm sure well, this is a topic we'll go, come back to because, oh my gosh, this series just gets insanely detailed and just off the wall nuts with everything. It just gets better and better. It really does. It's like, it's like a fine wine. It really gets better the more it ages. And, you know, I will agree you get more expression out of these ro- robots from the 19, what is it? 1999. Uh, yeah. You get more expression out of these CG characters than you do in like uh, a real life Disney movie, like Lion King. You get, it's, it's amazing. You get more facial expression here than you do in the Netflix crappy one. Oh my crappy gosh. Version. Yes. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's as far as as far as story goes. We, uh, we need to do a hate. We need to do a hate fest episode on that. Just to, all right. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta unleash every now okay. and then. We'll do a hate episode for the Beast Wars, but I really like the other seasons. I like the first two seasons. That's just me. Okay, I think right, fine. The first two seasons. I think Bumblebee. <laughs> has one of the most interesting stories in the first two seasons. How he became uh, Optimus's scout and second in command. I think that's awesome. Okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't appease the great Rebecca and my Transformer (laughs) knowledge. I mean, well, let's, like Cheetor says, time to fade, heroes. Uh, (laughs) All right, so um, first of all, I'd like to apologize for this episode coming out so late. I will take full responsibility. Uh, I've just I've been moving, and I've just got settled into my new job here, and things have just been off the wall crazy. We had this planned maybe three or four weeks ago, and I just I couldn't make it work with my work schedule. So I'd like to apologize. To all the uh, our listeners out there, that this is so late, but as promised, we do have an announcement to make. So these maximum drift episodes, we have been leading up to something. We started these maximum drift episodes about month month and a half ago. We've been uh, we've been covering stuff like Ultraman, Beast Wars. And the future of the Maximum Drift, we are proud to announce the upcoming Patreon page for the Drift Space is called The Maximum Drift. Very shortly, we'll be launching a Patreon where you can listen to us, continue to talk about Ultraman, Beast Wars. We have some other shows that we've been discussing that we'll get Dave involved in. And like we said earlier, sometimes it'll be G and Rebecca. Sometimes it'll be Dave and me. 
the topic will always be changing, but we will try to cover as much as we possibly can. Uh, so it'll be it'll be much more niche stuff. If you feel like contributing, we'll get you that information as soon as we get the Patreon page up. But we uh, we look forward to having you guys join us on a Patreon page, and uh, we hope you enjoy this exciting new information about the future of the maximum drift. We will continue to have regularly scheduled shows with the four of us. We'll, uh, we'll continue to drop them every other week, but just know the maximum drift episodes will be much more tight, much more compact with two hosts. So thank y'all for listening and joining in our discussion of the next five episodes of beast wars. If you know want to know where else you can find me, I am JR, and I have a Twitter. You can find me there and all my ramblings at littleman underscore says one. And I'm Rebecca. If you'd like to check out some of my artwork, you can find me on the Linktree app at linktr.ee slash reb.hudge. And we have been the Maximum Drift. Take a look at our show at bit.ly backslash TDS links where you can buy it us Thank you for playing along, friends. And as always, remember, always stay strapped. Does anybody say rewind anymore? <laughs> Ha 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 